and welcome to the latest episode of Emma and Rebecca Talk IP, the series where we take something that has caught our attention in the world of intellectual property and attempt to unravel what's really going on. My name is Rebecca Gay. And I'm Emma Isles. This week on the podcast, we're delving into the world of advertising. In particular, we're going to discuss some recent developments in the advertising of therapeutic goods. Those are products that are marketed as having a therapeutic use. So something that impacts disease, injury, or a physiological process, as distinct from, say, a food, cosmetics, or household products. As of the start of July this year, a new advertising code has come into effect for therapeutic goods, which sets out the minimum standards for public advertising. And for the first time, the code includes express regulation of social media influences. Do you find it as alarming as I do, Rebecca, that there are influences out there promoting therapeutic goods? Um, Yes, most definitely. (laughs) Uh, And also something that Australia's medicine and medical device regulator, the TGA or the Therapeutic Goods Administration, was obviously concerned about as well, given the new regulations. But before we launch into that, let's just take a little step back and take a look at the role of the TGA. So the TGA is part of the Australian Government Department of Health and is charged with ensuring that therapeutic goods available for supply in Australia are safe and fit for purpose. The TGA administers the Therapeutic Goods Act 1989 and associated regulations, and it also maintains the Australian Register of Therapeutic Goods, or the ARTG. Almost any product which claims to have a therapeutic use has to be entered in the, onto the ARTG before it can be supplied in Australia. So that includes medicines, vaccines, vitamins, medical devices, blood and blood products. Um, and, and it can also include things like sunscreens and bandages um, through to COVID-19 vaccines or cancer treatments. That this, there is a distinction which is drawn with products like food and cosmetics, though, which the TGA does not regulate. And a specific function of the TGA is its oversight of the advertising of therapeutic goods. This includes advertising through non-traditional media, including social media. While you're not allowed to advertise prescription-only medicines in Australia, you can advertise other therapeutic goods. And the framework that the TGA uses in the regulation of that advertising is called the Therapeutic Goods Advertising Code. Using the code, the TGA can direct advertisers to take down non-compliant advertising and can pursue criminal or civil penalties against advertisers who put consumers at risk. The code is premised on the vulnerability of consumers in relation to products that are relied on for their health and the corresponding higher ethical standard that applies for advertising of those goods. The objects of the code seek to ensure that the advertising of therapeutic goods to the public is conducted in a manner that promotes the safe and effective use of the goods by minimising misuse, is ethical and doesn't mislead or deceive, supports informed healthcare choices and is not inconsistent with the relevant, cu- the relevant current public health campaigns. And it's worth noting that the code applies in addition to the Australian consumer law, which also prohibits misleading and deceptive conduct. Yes, that's right, Emma. Uh, and a good example of that um, is uh, some conduct by Lorna Jane last year, who were marketing some antivirus activewear. So Lorna Jane was fined for making false and misleading representations to consumers uh, under the Australian Consumer Law, and was also fined for the TGA or by the TGA for unlawful advertising. 
But back to the code, it was first deployed in January 2019, but after some experience with how it was operating and some public consultation, it underwent a a makeover in November 2021. The new code commenced on 1 January 2022 with a six-month transition period. So from 1 July 2022, all advertisements have to comply with the new code. The 2021 code introduced a number of changes, many of which were intended to improve the clarity and make it a bit easier to interpret and use. And one particular change was to clarify the rules around testimonials and endorsements in advertising. So, Emma, what's the difference? What's the difference between a testimonial and an endorsement? Very good question. Uh, Well, a testimonial is a statement by someone who claims to have used a product whereas an endorsement is a statement of support or approval for a product. So a testimonial, if it's positive, can be an endorsement. The changes to the code around testimonials and endorsements have gained significant publicity, particularly because of the effect on advertising and social media. Social media facilitates access to a huge consumer audience, particularly for account holders with a broad reach, such as influencers and companies who employ social media campaigners. These individuals and companies are often seen as a source of reliable information, and this position of trust and influence justifies the regulation of conduct relating to the promotion of therapeutic goods. So how is the 2021 code going to impact the influencers out there, Rebecca? Well, for all the influencers out there, the 2021 code clarifies that paid or incentivised testimonials cannot be included in advertisements. And it specifically notes that influencers are within the class of people that receive valuable consideration for making testimonials and are therefore prohibited from advertising in this way. Influencers can still, however, give endorsements as long as that content is um, compliant with the code. And while it's not mandatory to disclose that an endorsement is incentivised, the code requires advertisements to be accurate and not mislead, which does suggest there would be a need to disclose if the endorsement is paid. Those rules are are really important given the broad reach of social media to consumers and the relative lack of other accountability measures for content posted by influencers. And it's worth noting that the 2021 code retains rules allowing genuine unpaid testimonials in advertising. So an unpaid, unbiased account of an ordinary consumer is permitted, although, again, the testimonial still has to comply with all the relevant code provisions and be consistent with the indicated use, that is, the, the medical use or condition that for which it's been approved, and information on the product label and its instructions for use. So practically all of that means that social media influencers are prohibited from promoting health products by making comments about their personal experience with the products if they are being paid or receive some other incentive for the comments. This includes receiving gifted products, which could be a major source of income for many online personalities. The general sentiment in the stakeholder consultation process that led to the 2021 code was that this change was long overdue. And given the broad definition of advertisement, the TGA guidance indicates that any post on social media that promotes the supply or use of a therapeutic good is likely to be considered advertising and therefore covered by the code. So influencers have to comply with the code where they are paid for an endorsement. So they have to stick to accurate messages that are consistent with a registered indication or purpose. They can't use artistic license, in other words. 
And these changes arguably represent a strong stance by Australia on this issue as compared to other jurisdictions, such as the US, where Federal Trade Commission regulations include an exception that permits paid testimonials provided that any relevant connections are fully disclosed. At the end of the day, this is all an effort to help consumers more readily weigh the value of testimonials and endorsements when they are making purchasing decisions, and that can't be a bad thing. But even though we have a newly revamped advertising code, there still seem to be some issues with social media and promotion of therapeutic goods, particularly in relation to genuine unpaid testimonials in advertising, which are, as we said, allowed. There's an interesting example that's received some media attention recently, isn't there, Emma? Yes, absolutely. There's been a recent well-publicised shortage of a prescription drug called Ozempic. This is a medication used to manage blood sugar levels in people with type 2 diabetes. Ozempic is a drug manufactured by Novo Nordisk Pharmaceuticals and is actually a prescription-only medicine, so advertising it to the public is prohibited. Despite that, uh, the drug has been the subject of significant social media attention due to the unpaid promotion on TikTok of its weight loss side effects. This has apparently led to a surge in people seeking prescriptions of Ozempic and a shortage of the drug. The TGA has had to come out and issue a statement to consumers, pharmacists and medical personnel to prioritise prescription of the drug for people diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And I think this type of conduct represents many of the key concerns behind the TGA crackdown on social media advertising of therapeutic goods. And of course, this type of promotion is actually completely prohibited, given it's relating to a prescription medicine. And it's also a really practical difficulty. It would be really difficult and require a huge amount of resource for the TGA to try to track down individuals who are voluntarily promoting the weight loss effects of Ozempic or any other product on their social media accounts. Uh, and, and even if it did manage to track them down, taking action against them is not likely to make a substantive difference to the problem as a whole. It would be a bit of a whack-a-mole exercise uh, with a lot of effort for very little reward. So it is an illustration of a bit of a gap in the regulations for unpaid testimonials. Testimonials of this type can clearly have a significant impact, as we've seen, but the current rules and regulations don't offer a streamlined way of dealing with this sort of conduct. Potentially one way to tackle this is through prescribers, which is what the TGA has tried to do, uh, given they are the ultimate gatekeepers to prescription medicines and can have significant influence on who, who uses what medicines uh, in the, amongst the general public. And another option might be public education campaigns around promoting prescription medicines on social media and potentially even some targeted and measured enforcement action that would then um, could then act as a deterrent to people doing the same thing if the action receives enough publicity. And perhaps even this podcast episode um, will raise some publicity about what the right and wrong thing to do is, Rebecca. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's certainly a space for us to keep watching for further developments, particularly with the 2021 code now being in full force. Full, full force. So thanks, everyone, for joining us on Emma and Rebecca Talk IP. Until next time. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.